2: once again everyone thanks for listening to kapow the pop culture podcast my name is jordan Lowe.
1: Uh, i'm cliff barnes
0: i'm seth It's nice to see you guys again i know Welcome it's been a back. long time we got a little uh, treat here for any uh big brother watchers at the end of this episode everyone else that doesn't watch it can tune out and i don't want to hear how uh, <laughs> you don't like it reality no, tv <laughs> no one has ever complained have they <laughs> I'm just saying at the end I'm going to do a dive into what's going on in Big Brother for you know 10 or 15 minutes and then maybe do it again in a couple weeks.
1: I think but, uh one of our most downloaded episodes was the uh, the big the celebrity Big Brother you did <laughs> wow. that's true with everybody we knew.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true that was a good F. so if you haven't good. listened to you that, guys ha- you guys it. were such doubters <laughs> and i was i was like no no let me work some of my magic all right anyway we're gonna do a dive at the end so anybody that cares about that just a little letting you know you know what would be cool is if
2: you could time travel to the end and listen to that first and then Ooh. you could zap back to your own body now and listen to the rest of it now
0: whoa that'd be weird speaking yeah. of time travel great segue Um, we're going to do one of those uh, time warp sections
3: here it's just a jump to the left with your hands on your hips
0: talk about a book that i read that's about time travel because i decided i really like time travel and why not read a million books about them and see if anybody had great ideas and jordan you've probably read some of this one this is a collection of alan moore things called the this is the complete alan moore future shocks but oh wait he's reaching behind him oh Oh, he's got some. He's a, he's like, don't test me on yeah. having some Alan Moore. He has a copy of the same book. Look at that, folks. Uh, Cliff, where's your uh, where's your workbook?
2: It's book. It's book club night. We got to.
0: Oh man. Well, everyone I didn't turned, do my homework. Everyone turn to page three hundred eight to the time twisters <laughs> section. Now that's that's what I'm focusing on here. I. I In my research, I found where he he had written a bunch of like three to six pagers, you know, just very short time travel stories back in the day. And they're just so good. So good. I I love them. Um, So I'm just going to read out some of the titles and, you know, give you a little brief description. Uh, The Reversible Man is one where... It is told about a guy that it, he is traveling through his life backwards. Everything is happening to him backwards. It's like ro- starts with him right when he died, and and it is so funny, you know, just all the all the things he talks about how th- this happens and this, ha- you know, um, just the, our kids um, started getting really annoying, so we took them back to the hospital, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, the uh, then there, there's a few different ones. Some aliens come to Earth in the future and try to create a human zoo um, from the, you know, like recreate the humans, and that doesn't work so well, but it's funny. Chrono Cops is a great story that starts out, a guy is try- trying to kill his own great-grandfather, and these cops come in. They're very, like, dragnet characters. And they're like, why would you want to kill your own great-grandfather? And by the end of the story, you can totally relate to why. You know, it's it's excellent. I mean, and these are so... I'm amazed at how much is packed into just a few pages. That is a great story, and it's five pages. Um, I'm not sure who draws all these. I haven't. I, I don't pay enough attention to that, but it's... Um, Well, Dave Givens. It's on the cover. Dave Givens, yeah. Yeah, it's all the. Brian Talbot,
2: Alan Davis, Steve Dillon.
0: Uh, What can we got? I mean, there's
2: something to be said for, like, that helps hone a writer. Like, if you can tell a story in five pages, you can tell a story in 20 pages and 50 pages. Like, if you, you know, you have to be good and smart and economical. To tell something interesting that short, and yeah. if you, you know if you have to crank those out once a month and and have a brand new plot and a brand new idea and a fully fleshed out plot,
0: it's amazing. There's another one called the just the time machine, and it's about a guy that has worked on a time. He's he's like thinking about how he spent his whole life trying to work create a time machine, and i've it's I can't spoil. I don't want to spoil. There's so many good twists in these, but that's another just like six pager that's great um dr dibworthy's disappointing day i mean it's not like a lot of these are the most novel ideas it's kind of like he just kind of, i don't know what maybe he came up with them first and people stole from him but or vice versa but but they're just simple stories that he just perfected he just does them so well so it is alan morse Time twisters is really what we're getting at, but they're all collected in this book. There's another version that the, also all the time twisters are collected, but those are the ones I'm referring to.
2: So these were originally in 2000 AD, the anthology magazine in Britain. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they weren't originally like as a graphic novel or whatever, obviously. Uh, and yeah, before he got big on V for Vendetta, Swamp Thing, Watchmen. So yeah, this is what he kind of cut his teeth on in Britain rising talent of the era
0: I will give you a tip you can read all these online look up some of those titles and you can just read them online so you don't have to go buy the book but um it, they're I highly recommend them. so more pie charts. <laughs> <laughs> pie chart he's a oh this uh he's a previewing some uh the slivers getting smaller they're pirating the
2: books <laughs> oh wait this episode's going on yeah first.
0: That's what I was um <laughs> time travel time travel um so why me yeah it. it's all time let's do some tv what in the good lord is going on nothing I'm just some fellas i play car pranks with
3: the worst thing about prison was the was the dementors nobody exists
2: on purpose Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's gonna die.
0: There are no strings on me.
2: So if you want to make more money and uh, keep the money that you make, better call Saul. He looks like a panda and a Disney princess had a baby. Somebody royally
0: forked up. Somebody forked up. Randall!
3: Okay, stay in the
0: room. First, I thought you and the others were gods.
3: And I realized you're just men, and I know men. You guys, look at my dirty girl.
0: Roll on snare drum. Curtain. Good joke. So, what have you guys been watching on TV?
2: I, thanks to you, I've been watching Happy Days
0: nonstop. <laughs> oh, I. You've converted him. <laughs> I got news for you. I have a hot take, Please. and it's it's reversing your hot take. You, you think went,
2: the shark was it? Did the it. Moment.
0: That's that did it. You think? I saw. I we got to season five at the beginning of season five, or the Hollywood eps, and that's when they go there and he jumps the shark. And I was like, okay, I'm watching what happens. And I got news for you. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> you're shaking your head like you're you know what I'm talking about. Well i did the same thing i saw those episodes
2: were on and i've watched everyone since i'm like i gotta i gotta see what's going on so the cunninghams go to hollywood bonds jumps the shark and i thought surely there's still good episodes. but it's like i don't think they're terrible no no like the episodes a couple seasons from now are almost unwatchable right these still have charm they're still funny yeah obviously by the time Chachi showed up things had already gone downhill
0: well, that's like, that's he shows up this season after they yeah, get back so, from Hollywood.
2: Yeah, so things were already on the downhill. But I don't yeah. think, you know, jump the shark to me means it's garbage. Uh, you know, it's it's not worth watching anymore. And I okay. still think there are good episodes.
0: I don't. Okay, I think, I get what you're saying, but the quality has definitely went down. There's way more singing.
2: I I forgot how much they had Anson Williams sing on that yeah. show as Mm -hmm. much as humanly possible and i don't know why
0: every episode there is singing now and it didn't used to be like i've i'm so sick of watching richie pretend to play the saxophone (laughs) Mm -hmm. we have after the shark jump fonzie goes black t-shirt he's got the black t-shirt under his jacket now we got uh we had uh pinky tuscadero came Mm -hmm. for some demo derby then we had leather tuscadero yeah and uh She's singing all the time. Mm-hmm. Every episode there's at least one or two songs to start off the episode. Danny Thomas came as Mr. C's dad. Um all, and today though I'm a several episodes behind. Uh, I have like five or six still recorded in the fifth season, but the the episode I watched today was where what the hell's the name of the dog? What's They've got a trained train dog it's but uh Fonzie's dog oh Fonzie's dog Scruffy or Spunky. Scruffy? Spunky Spunky this episode Spunky was depressed and right. they got jo- Dr. Joyce Brothers to come psychoanalyze the dog yeah and I this was, was like was also... you cannot tell me that this this is before Arnold's birth
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is also they stopped even pretending it was the 50s with the fashion everyone had the wide yeah. collars oh, everyone's yeah. hairs down over their ears yeah. like they're not even trying to make it look like the next Yeah, Fonzie's hair
0: is different in the fifth season. He has less sideburn and stuff. And it's just, oh, it just, yeah. it's not right. And the, uh, I did notice something else, though. There's a lot of similarities to another show we watched. <laughs> uh So, you know, oh. like, <laughs> yeah, now, <laughs> now Cliff's starting to catch on. It's like, I was looking at Arnold's and I'm like, you know, this reminds me of a, A certain chocolate shop, another red haired, uh, lettered, Mm -hmm. uh, high school jacket wearing guy, he
1: pretends to play the guitar
0: (laughs) exactly, exactly. So, I definitely was breaking that down. I decided that I decided that Ralph Mouse's dad, the optometrist, was as close as we were going to get to Dr. Curl Jr.
1: yeah uh speaking of it's it's funny i saw just today on instagram um i think it was vanessa morgan had uh posted a picture of that she took outside of pops and it said can't believe it's been six months since we filmed here or something so they're filming again so more more of that show coming your way
0: and it is supposed to be like a seven-year time jump.
1: I heard but, that.
0: Yeah, that sounds good.
1: Of course, I, I I don't know what they're gonna do. Vanessa Morgan is very pregnant right now.
2: Well, it doesn't take seven years. No, so I guess they could.
1: <laughs> so it'll be interesting interesting to see what they do with that. And it's kind of it's a rumor that has almost been confirmed that. Uh, the new character, pa- I believe, Pop's granddaughter, will be uh, a big part of season
0: five. I was hoping to see his mom, Mama. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mama <Mom laughs> Pop. Yeah, whatever. What was the storyline? Or something? We couldn't let her know something. Yeah, he couldn't.
1: He couldn't let her know that he sold the diner yeah. to uh, <laughs> right uh, to the
0: Ram. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Um. Also, the, uh, one other thing about Happy Days: there are so many characters that have played multiple roles on that show. Like they, Lori Beth was was a different character that dated Ralph for a couple episodes and things like that. And then uh, this one girl that uh, Richie dated in the first season. Two, she he dated her twice in the first season as two different girls and then dated her again in the fourth season i think it's ridiculous how they keep using <laughs> the same people
2: and just are there two less likable co-stars than ralph and potty
0: i love ralph he's hilarious <laughs> he's still <laughs> he, got it he's
2: still got it i guess <laughs> but like i get yeah potty's the butt of the joke you know everyone yeah, yeah. rags yeah, potty has a crappy life and everybody makes fun of it. but like to me, they're just not appealing at all. They, they, every time they walk in, like, I kind of roll my eyes. Like, oh, yeah. It's
0: so, it's so ridiculously, uh, um, man heavy. Like all the women are just like, you know, obviously with the whole Fonzie character, all the women just coming when he snaps is not good for <laughs> feminism. But, uh, uh, best character on the show is Al, Al Del Vecchio. He, yep. Yep.
2: There was a solo Al plotline coming up. This I don't think you got to it yet if you, if you just watched The Spunky.
0: I love the one where he, just a few episodes ago, where he was the informant and he was outside the window and they pulled the blind down and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> it starts to be a secret. And he stands there and you just see the outline. <laughs> so good. Yeah.
2: So these are on me TV every afternoon. Uh, the retro... Fun television if you want to watch Happy Days in order and judge for yourself where it hit the skids.
0: Yeah, I think we're definitely in Skidsville. <laughs> what else you got?
2: Uh, if we're talking to Riverdale, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Yellowstone.
0: Oh, I was got, I'm gonna break break your heart and tell you I haven't watched like the last oh. seven episodes, but you can't okay. hurt me.
2: Well, it was like, it was too normal. It wasn't our beloved Yellowdale. Right. This plot was too, that's like, a land deal. And it's okay, they're using guns and stuff. But like the last episode, boy, it, it makes up for the whole season's worth of normal. Really? Yes.
0: Okay.
3: So
2: I, I, won't exp- I won't explain why till you see it, but there are two things that tie directly to Riverdale in a, in a beautiful way. I guess we'll talk about this later.
0: Okay, well, I just need to know whether I have to watch it or not. Like, I got, like, six episodes, I think, banked. And I was waiting to hear whether I need to dive into that or not. But if you yeah. say yes. I'll... If you
2: like it for the... for the,
0: I like it for the craziness. The, yes, b- the so Beth. If,
2: yeah, the last episode is where that really kicks off.
0: Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> well, did everybody see the big thing? The big release that came out this couple weeks ago, we had the HBO Max um show about the book based on the book Lovecraft Country.
3: One, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> Getting reacquainted with old friends. <laughs> ah. George, the reason I'm back home, my father, he's gone missing. One, two,
0: three. H.P. Mm-hmm. Lovecraft, um, Jonathan was, uh,
1: Majors, um, uh, yes. Journey Smollett, is Courtney that, B. Vance, yeah, Courtney B. Uncle George, Courtney B. Vance. So. Yeah. yeah,
0: it, yeah, it, That first episode, the first minute two minutes of the first episode I was so like I am as in as I can be uh, and that entire first episode in fact was just delicious yeah uh, I was
1: I was so tense all when they're doing those those car chase scenes I was yeah. just like oh like this
0: is insane incredibly tense second half of the episode. And uh, and the first half of the episode, the whole street, uh, you know, performance and things was just great, just beautiful. Yeah. Everything was amazing. Uh, I think everybody that that uh, main character, um, would you say Jonathan. What is his last name?
1: Majors. He plays Atticus.
0: Yeah, he was in uh, that Spike Lee movie, The Five Bloods. So oh, okay. He was really good, really good in that. And gosh, I got I I forget he was in something else I saw recently that I thought he was good, but he
2: was in that When We Rise about the, the Central Park Five. He was. One oh, of okay,
0: the... he's good, and everybody's good in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, now the second episode, which is all we've seen at this point, yeah, uh, as of this recording, was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. It was it was as it was as big big as you could go from a perfect first episode yeah, to to an incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Hard. Yeah, try to throw an entire season of television into one episode, mm-hmm. tr- just too much, so that no- anything big that happened had no meaning gave you, you all it was like 20 moments that would have been great in separate episodes just have no meaning yeah
3: i'm,
0: I'm gonna i, I hate to, i'm i don't i'm i know i'm ruining how you would enjoy watching but it's just like what i was saying other than just like any all the dramatic moments have no punch mm-hmm. because of how many there are it literally was like an entire season in one episode
1: yeah, it, it was it was pretty crazy that episode too. And I was just like I mean, it it was just it was almost hard to follow at times just because I was you couldn't get your mind from one thing to the the other fast enough.
0: It just happened everything happened so fast. It's like, "Oh, you like this? You like this cool house? Mm-hmm. Oh, you like the these characters? Oh, you're looking for this? Oh, this is the bad guy?" Oh, it's all happening right now yeah. in this episode, and it's crazy. Anyway, I'm not. I I still have high hopes for the series, right? I, I think this could just be one episode, but it was it was like you did the. It was a bad idea to do what they did, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't know where it's going to go next, but episode three, we'll find out here in a couple of days oh. if it's. Uh, if it was just a big illusion, and that episode one was as good as it was going to get. Or
0: My problem with that kind of stuff is when you have all these big things happen and they mean nothing, they feel like they mean nothing, then when how can you earn me to care in the future? Mm -hmm. If something happens to anyone in the future, I'm going to be like is it real? Does it matter? Is that what? Because I love the first episode.
2: Yeah, so. I haven't seen the second one yet, but I saw it was called "Whitey on the Moon."
0: Yeah,
2: and I that? did it. Did it use the the poem?
0: I don't know what what is the poem or what uh, is it a reference to?
2: It's Gil Scott Heron, the guy who wrote "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised." He wrote a, po- a spoken word poem called "Whitey on the Moon," and I, I knew I'd heard that phrase before. i was like, where have I heard that? They played it in the movie First Man. Leon Bridges did a version of it talking about they did a montage of like the NASA building the rockets and stuff and they played this spoken word poem Whitey on the Moon like my sister got bit by a rat today but Whitey's on the Moon Mm. You know, she's all swollen, can't afford a doctor, but Whitey's on the moon. So, yeah. like, it's, it's, that sort makes, of th- did they use that?
0: That makes sense. I don't remember them saying that stuff, okay. but they totally could have, but it makes sense with the, not that, that I, type of show.
1: I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's in there because as soon as you said that, that rang
3: a bell. A rat didn't bit my sister now with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms begin to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know the man that's up my rent last night? Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's upping me. Because Whitey's on the moon? Well, I was already giving him like 50 a week, and uh, Whitey's on the moon. Just taking my whole damn check. The junk is making me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat didn't bit my sister now with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms begin to swell and Whitey's on the moon. Is all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon.
0: Yeah. I I this show is like I thought they did such a good job in the first episode and especially on the fact like cuz they're mixing this r- extreme racism that you know was the r- real in this time Jim Crow era um but the uh, mixing it with Lovecraftian monsters Cthulhu and everything and and the balance of these these racists have to be more dangerous and scary than the monsters Mm. you know that's the balance you have to have and i think they're doing a good job with it
2: and it works that you know lovecraft is famously in his letters and writings did not hold very progressive views and was super racist so to use his own mythology to kind of tell that kind of story but to me i don't know that the first episode was that balance where like you know the first you know the the plot is you know young man coming back from the korean war you know the first scene him on the bus and the ladies like talk about the confederacy and they're they're not heroes and it's like you're kind of like pounding us over the head with it where the later scene where the cop is you know standing at their window and it's terrifying Mm -hmm. and it's like that's telling that's that's showing not telling that is you know showing the peril they would feel at that time in that place where like at the first half hour just felt like, boy, things are really racist right now. So I I, I don't know. They laid it on a little too thick at the beginning mm-hmm. where I knew that's what the themes were right. going to be yeah. throughout. Yeah, I just, I don't know what the, it didn't seem to quite have it calibrated right from I, the beginning. So that worries do, me that the second one's a letdown.
0: I do think that that second episode even feels more like, okay, everybody's a racist. You know, it's a, it's, that's kind of rough. But I did like, you know, the part in that first episode where they, because you could tell the kid is like a fan, just like Courtney B Vance's character is a fan of Lovecraft. but they point out you know about him being racist and and saying, you know you can love the art and hate the artist if you you know uh, you can this might be a good segue to you can love uh, the way someone announces a baseball game maybe. <laughs> But hate them. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty perfect segue. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I, yeah, w- uh, I did want to say one more thing of like, uh, you just remind me, like, that is such, I don't know that I've ever seen that in pop culture, the black nerd experience. Yeah. Like, there is such a subculture, a thriving culture of comic fans and sci-fi fans and fantasy fans who are black. And have read and watched and seen things their whole lives that didn't quite represent them, but they still love the art. Right. And you go to any comic con, and you see, you know, that there there'll be a black creator with a a book they made, and every every person, you know, every black person who comes through like goes and talks to them, like, hey, th-, and it's like there's a bond there of that black experience through right. a subculture that's kind of ignored them their whole lives and not catered to them and not had characters that represent them. So this is an interesting take on kind of the OG, you know, original fandom of, you know, these pulp novels and things. So I, I, that's an interesting world to, to look at through that lens. Yeah, for sure.
0: So why don't you lay out what happened here with this sports well, announcer?
2: I, I don't love this sports announcer. Let's, let's start. with Me that. neither. Uh, so this didn't hurt me too bad. <laughs> no, me neither. I'm I'm a huge Cincinnati Reds fan, all right? You might know that about me. Um, And I was watching a game, and then on Twitter it starts coming out that uh, Reds TV announcer Tom Brenneman, did he just say what we think he said? So it, I missed it. It wasn't on the TV feed I was watching. It just went out if you were watching, like, MLB TV. So the audio is online. It's easy to find. Of him saying something bad, a homophobic slur, and it wasn't. It wasn't just a slip. It wasn't. I meant to say this, and Mm I said that, and it also wasn't a joke. He wasn't. People said, "I think he was quoting Blazing Saddles." No, he was not. The way he said it, like he put oomph on the word, like he said it a lot, or he meant it, or I, I don't know. But there's, there's just a. He put extra.
0: That it, that it That's exactly how I, I would describe what you said. He meant it. He said it like he meant it. Yeah. That, that's what is going to kill him on it.
2: So it was a doubleheader. It was like the sixth inning, I think, of the first game. And games are seven innings long this year, doubleheader. <clears throat> so between games, this blows up. The audio is all over Twitter. People are hashtagging stuff. So the second game starts, and he's calling it. So I I listened to a game live of a guy learning his fate, basically.
1: Hmm, Yeah.
2: In real time. And, like, the innings were pretty quiet. And he was just, that's a 2-2 count. And, like, they weren't going back and forth and talking. I was like, this was, like, you could could just hear him scrolling through his phone and, you know, checking his, his mentions and stuff. So it was just a really... Bizarre atmosphere to listen to.
0: I would, yeah, I tuned in. I tuned in for a short period after I'd found out about it. And he was talking about Trevor Bauer and kind of like judging Trevor Bauer. I was like, dude, you don't need to be judging anybody right now.
2: <laughs> so the fifth inning starts. Camera boom, right on him. He makes a strange apology again. That video is out there too.
0: Amazing, uh, an iconic video because the odds of what happened happening. Is um, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. So what what apologized. was happening during the game? Yeah, right, right.
2: Yeah, so yeah, the inning had started, and he says, "You know, something happened, and I apologize. It was a mistake, and I apologize to to the people who write my checks."
0: Right, which is gross. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is a
2: weird, but I, if his... you if you know Tom, you, like that makes sense. Like the way yeah. he says things like that, he says stuff in that vein. As uh, I don't know, it's a personality thing with him and then someone launches a home run and he calls the home run (laughs) so my deepest my (laughs) deepest condolences as there's a long drive into left field from castellanos and that's a two-run homer and the reds are now tied 4-4 and i want to put out there like he called the home run during an apology
0: i know you shared that meme which was just perfection (laughs) of the guy walking with the girl and he looks over his shoulder at the other girl it's like tom brittman the girl he's with is an apology and the girl he looks back at is is a home run a costume Uh, unbelievable
2: so i that there's Okay, Tom, Marty Brenneman is his father right. who has called Red's radio since before the Big Red machine. So literally my entire life,
0: yeah.
2: I've I've listened, you know, before cable and when every game was on TV, I listened to the radio constantly. I've, I've probably heard Marty Brenneman's voice more than anyone else, any other human in my lifetime. So Marty is an old crank and he gets in trouble sometimes and says things he shouldn't. But we all love him because he's just, he's grandpa. He's cranky grandpa. His son is Tom Brenneman, who came back to, he he called for the Cubs for a while, the Diamondbacks. So he finally comes home to Cincinnati, and he's on the TV side of things. And he's just never quite been the fan favorite Marty was. And I, there's a pretty vocal contingent that just didn't like him. And part of it was, he he's not the best game caller, and part of it is his kind of, he has kind of a smug attitude he complains about the players a lot and nobody does things the right way anymore and, and all these new advanced stats are junk and nobody should listen to the war and, and you know all these these new statistics ah nobody yeah, plays no. the game the right way anymore and there's all this coded language of you know old timey baseball or it it's might just be baseball. yeah it mm-hmm. might just be things were better back then or it might be yeah, you know, things are being ruined by certain <laughs> certain people. We we don't right. know exactly.
0: We need to make baseball great again.
2: Yeah, and I would never judge someone just that from 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 their fandom like that. But right. he he, I listened to enough of him. I could tell his personality, and it just the longer I listened to him, the more it graded on me. So when this happened, people were dancing on his grave immediately, like, oh, Tom's gone. We'll never have to listen to him again." <laughs> So and then there are also people who love him and think he's great at what he does, and just, oh, he should just say sorry and we'll forgive him. So this just segued directly. You know, we've had the 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 DNC, the Democratic Convention, the Republican Convention these weeks, and I heard the word cancel culture thrown around so much these last couple weeks, and what this means, and it's been such a hot button topic. And I don't I don't know. I understand the idea of it, and people are saying. You know, if Tom genuinely apologizes and reaches out to the people who he offended and learns and grows, why can't we give him a second chance? And then there's people like, you don't deserve a, a prestigious, high paying game and uh, got job in pro sports and you blew it. Right. Go get a job at a grocery
0: store or something. Like, yeah. so I,
2: I, I'm I There are people out that there spectrum. that would
0: never do that. Uh,
3: That's you know.
2: And I'm thinking, how, I tried to figure out how many hours have we spent behind microphones we've done 230 yeah. episodes plus 20 of the soap pros we've all guest starred on other people's podcasts yeah. and like congrats to the three of us for never using a slur <laughs> we did it guys like it's not hard it's really yeah. not hard yeah no so i i don't know i i'm and uh, and you hate all the, oh, there's degrees to it because I said, Marty has said stuff before. Like, this wasn't that long ago. He said, like, uh, something about Trail of Tears. Like, the bullpen was getting blown up, and, like, the, the pitching coach had to come out. I was like, well, he's walking that Trail of Tears again to go get the pitcher. And they're like, that's kind of offensive, Marty. Yeah, you know, the Trail of Tears was a national tragedy. And, like, he apologized. And it's like, okay, but he didn't mean it. Right. He just said it and was not thoughtful.
0: Right, right,
1: right.
2: Like, this other thing, he said it yeah and it got oh, yeah. said and it got heard yeah. so I, I there there is a scale to it i i don't oh, you absolutely. can't say cancel culture is bad but like you said uh, we said uh talked to the She-Ra creator just got into trouble for saying something really stupid now did she was it stupid yes you know does she deserve to get fired i don't I don't think so so i don't I don't know where i i stand on all this
1: yeah oh uh. Yeah, that had just came out, and it was on a live panel uh, they had done. And apparently, my understanding, it was she was referencing some joke they had made previously. You know, the writers' room. So it was a it was a known thing that came out that had went through there. And 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 that's a show that you know I made the mistake of. You know, praising it for its diversity because it had tons of, uh, LB, uh, LBGTQA, uh, (laughs) yeah, whatever's at the end now. Um, I can't keep up, but all the references and changes they had made, um, to those characters and I really enjoyed that, that show. To the point where, um, the longer it went on, the more I watched, the better I liked it. But and it as that came out, and I was kind of looking into it, I, I noticed several people had made references in the past when the show was in production because they were kind of bragging about about how diversified their cast was or their writers' room was. When in fact, yeah, it was a bunch of it was you know ninety percent women, but they were ninety percent white women there was you know as far as people of color it didn't exist in that room so I don't know
3: anyway
2: it all all seems tied also into you know what is going on on social media and things where like a reddit subgroup gets banned or a twitter user gets banned and it's like oh it's just cancel culture but it's like if you're spreading like, demonstrably false information or or hurtful things or hateful thing. Like, yes, you're getting canceled. There are rules to behaving on social media. And it, then it gets tied into censorship and free speech and all this stuff. So I, I don't – the idea of being canceled to me is different from that. And it all seems to be tied up into the same verbiage. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We're we're not making good arguments back and forth. I don't think.
0: Yeah. It's Uh, it's every, all of it, every case is different. I think you just kind of have to judge for yourself (laughs) and there's not much you can do about it. Society is going to decide if, if it, it, how bad it is. And some people can get, you know, can come back unscathed and some can't, but.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, part of this, of course, being with social media, you know, the uh, people often confuse. I'm using a a platform, yes, but it's a it's a company, a company that has rules, a company that has set forth you have
0: agreed to. Yeah, they think it's their free speech. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you have to follow the rules of the platform you're using. Right.
1: If you wanna you know, if you wanna go stand in your front yard and say that stuff, hey, more power to you. Um your neighbors aren't gonna like you very much, but but that's different than, you know, something you've agreed to abide by the rules set forth by the company. So
0: Anyway but it
2: all ties back to television. I, I've had this in my notes. For, I watched this way back during quarantine, but the final season of Brockmire aired on IFC. And when this happened, I saw so many references to Brockmire. This is the Hank Azaria show about the baseball announcer. Um, it ran for four seasons on IFC. It's now on Hulu, so it might more people might see it, hopefully. Always critically beloved, no ratings whatsoever. But I adore this show. It was it was first it was a, son, a, a funny a or Die short about Hank Azaria using that old timey baseball call and like ev- saying everything in that tone. And the Funny or Die thing is him uh, talking about his his wife cheating on him while calling an inning so they basically expanded that into the show and the pilot episode has one of the it is a tour de force scene acting scene of brockmeyer getting drunk throughout a baseball game and talking about his cheating wife and like telling the story of catching his wife cheating on him while calling a baseball game and it, it is an amazing piece of acting and it is it's that exact thing it is Surprise! you can imagine my surprise when I open the door too, too low outside and I see my <laughs> wife in at a pose I can only describe as oh, that one's inside he's he's run the count full and it, it, is, it is wonderful. and I never thought I'd see it in real life right It happened in real life. so <laughs> if, if you like baseball, it's very dirty. the humor is very very dirty language. Um, baseball you don't have to like baseball. <laughs> Yeah, he probably uses the word uh, Tom used to get fired. I'm, I'm guessing it appears on that show. You don't have to like baseball to watch it, but it's a bonus because there are really good jokes about like Bob Costas and Joe Buck and George right. Brett. How George Brett looks like Crocodile Dundee made me laugh so hard. I don't know why the thought of how much George Brett looks like Crocodile Dundee right. made me laugh. But it's a wonderful show. And the last season is set in the future. Oh. Uh, it jumps ahead in time and it's like talking about riots in the southwest and food shortages and a pandemic. And like it's it's creepy how the how <laughs> they kind of called our American future. So
0: Try and be felicity.
2: Brockmeyer. <laughs> Brockmeyer is terrific as the last time I'll
0: Uh we'll see about that. Well, last thing before we hit the big brother, I was gonna mention, okay, the answer to this riddle is 29 days. The question is how many days did I have a bug-killing salt gun before Nick and I shot ourselves with it?
2: <laughs> Wait, shot each other or shot yourself? Who myself? shot
0: first? <laughs> uh, I, I did, but I shot myself. I... I was gonna I pulled it out to shoot him. <laughs> and he was like, Ah no, you first. It was like, hey, you knew it was coming. We had to know how, how much <laughs> this hurt. So I was like, ah, fine, I'll shoot myself, you know. And I walked over to the trash can because it shoots salt. Yeah. You know, so it's so I was like, Well, no sense getting salt everywhere just shoot myself. So I walk over it and I held it about six inches from my hand and shot myself. And it hurt like a son of a bitch. <laughs> I had a red mark on my hand, pretty good. Nice little welt. It didn't Is break that, the skin though. No. Okay. Is
1: that where the term salt in the wound comes
3: from?
0: Right. Yeah. And then and but I did good because I shot myself and I didn't flinch. And I said, Here you go, wuss, now shoot yourself. <laughs> uh he didn't hold it quite as close as I did, but he was like, You didn't tell me about it." I was like, I know. <laughs> but it was nice. It, it hurts. It's not. Now like, you know, how those,
2: those poor bugs feel.
0: Well, that's why they die when they get shot. But the, I told, uh, I told him it was cause I put that high performance salt in it. Uh, definitely. It, it, anyway, I just wanted to point out. I didn't want it, that stupidity to go by. I want to know that if you buy a, a salt gun for shooting bugs, there's a certain amount. You have to know how many days it's going to be before you can't stand anymore and have to shoot yourself with it. <laughs> there isn't there is a number out there okay time to talk some big brother so anybody that wants to just mosey on out of here uh go ahead although i don't know why you would i don't exactly (laughs) i'm gonna want to at the i mean this this is recorded one day after the third eviction so, this is after the great Janelle was evicted yesterday. Um, so, we are going to set, talk about the state of the game right now and who the players are or whatever. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to ask. I'm going to share the screen here. I, I'm sure I'll get some sarcastic remarks about this or whatever. But anyway, here we go. Let's see if we can. I
2: haven't gone back and watched anything since that pilot episode. I, I watched a few minutes of that, but I haven't watched anything since.
0: Okay, it's fine. Okay, can everybody see that? Yes. And I can see you, but you're covering up some of the people. Maybe am I gonna be able to move this? I can. Okay, let's see. Here. So, I'll start in the top left corner. Here we have Christmas. Is her name? Um, she was on season 19. She is the reason she's on. This is an All Star season, so these are all pl- people that have played before. Um, that. Some are fan favorites, some are great players, um, some are just icons of the game, but the Christmas is on here because she has the most Instagram followers. Uh, that, they would never say that, but I guarantee that's why she made it on here. She was an alternate, I believe, but she is a fitness girl, or whatever, and she was on C- She she would be, she's really good at the challenges she's, or she claims to be, but she broke her leg in season 19. And ended up making it to the final three because she just got drugged along and was basically uh, just did everything the main guy told her to do.
2: Broke her so, leg in the house?
0: Yes. Yes. She got on this guy. This one guy was a rodeo uh, clown named Whistlenut. <laughs> and he got up and pull, she got up on his back and they did one of those save a horse ride a cowboy type. Ha ha. This is funny. And he fell down and she landed on her leg so she actually had surgery and came back in the house and uh went to the end of the game but she's playing fairly well this time she's you know got a few good uh, alliances going on and she i i don't i don't feel like she's somebody that could win because she just doesn't have that type of personality but she's somebody that could make it far anyway david was from the previous season season 21 and and he was last season was unfortunate. Anyway, he went out in like the first episode, he, 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 then they kept him in the house after he got evicted the first episode and he had to live there with just a chance of getting the back in the game, which he never did. And the Alliance was a bunch of pains in the neck, a bunch of bros. And they said, anybody not in the game shouldn't even be able to talk. And it was a very bullying situation. And so I think the producers felt like they needed to give this guy a second chance. And the only problem is he's terrible. He's really not good at all at this game. You can tell he's a rookie. Uh, Then we have Tyler, who is the best player in the house. He made it to the final two in season 20. Um, Just a master at communicating with people he has just natural charisma everybody wants to It's one of those things where just everybody likes you they cannot help it people come into the house not having a target on him but then they talk to him and just like i just like him so much just like i you know you hear about people like that i'm not one <laughs> but it's just like he just has a natural charisma he's very likable and and he's really smart and so he's had some adversity Those this this game already because of people knowing how well he did that that season so i don't expect him if he makes it to the end he deserves it because they know how good he is this year memphis was a there's a lot of robins in this house and not enough batman tyler would be a batman memphis is a robin to dan who won season 10 Memphis was on there with him. They were the hitmen. Made it to the end, but Memphis is just like a grumpy old man this time. He, he acts way older than he actually is. He just—they uh, portray him on the show as being the leader of some big alliance, and that's—I think it's just because it's too hard for Julie Chen to explain what's really happening in the house, and he really just doesn't talk to almost anybody. He just—he says he's waiting until halfway through the game to start playing. Dave on was in season 17 and 18. She's a fan favorite because she kind of says how it is. And, and people like to see people of color actually get a chance to play on this show that often looks like a paint swatch for your living room. Um, but she, her problem is she it try she doesn't know what's going on. She's not part of the big Alliance and she keeps trying to, uh, get people to give her information by tricking them and telling them something. And then they, she sees if the info comes back to her and she ends up, she's going to get herself in trouble because she, people are getting on to her about it. Enzo was in season 12. He was part of one of the most famous alliances, the brigade where him and three other guys started this alliance called the brigade. And they each got a satellite alliance. You know, somebody and a pair with them, and they used them to get information till the end of the show, and slowly knocked off each other's partner. And they made it; they were the final four. Only he was one of the. I think he was maybe the third, third to last one out. And so he's very light. He's good TV. He's funny as heck. Yeah, they showed him the other day using a bidet for the first time. They have one in there, and he just—it's—he uh, is very just a. Uh, Give me some chicken parm type guy, you know, and he uh, but he's super funny and he could win because he's so likable, but he's going to need, you know, a lot of help to get to the end of the game. But he's doing the same basic thing again. They're basically have a brigade again of him and Tyler and Cody and uh, Danielle and, you know, that they're just doing the same thing. Nobody seems to know that um, Bay. Bay. Bailey was in uh, in the season with Tyler in 20, and he backstabbed her twice. And supposedly they have an alliance this game, but I don't know how she could trust him because he, he just lied to her and she believed him and he lied to her again and she believed him and he just kept backstabbing her. But I could see her falling forward again. He's that good. Danny was in season eight with her father. Evil Dick is a famous player. He won that season. Um, she was in the final two with him. She was probably the youngest player to ever play, age 18, I think she was. And she uh, ended up coming back in season 13 and playing. She plays really hard. You, you know, won a, used to be really good at competitions, won a couple head of households that year also, and then got voted out just because she would not go along with the people in, that were running things. Met her husband on that season. Uh, Kevin's from season 11, and he was, you know, good that season. It's one of the least popular seasons, but he he did a good job. But he is his worst enemy on this season. He does not know what's going on, and he just, I don't know. I, I think he ha- he's in better shape. He could win some competitions. He could also get drugged to the end if he gets with the right people. If he stays in the house another week or two, he'll probably make it to the end because he is not a threat. Um, Kaser is he was on season six and season seven with Janelle. They're two of the most famous big brother players ever. He's just, he, but he plays way too hard. At least he did back in the day. He just, oh, he never makes it to the jury phase of the game. He always gets taken out because he's such a big target. He always goes after the main people, but he's so, he's so like, He's a, he's come back. He's turned forty in the house this time. He's so uh, smart and philosophical, and has it is the kind of talks you want to see when you're watching these people in the live feeds. You know, a lot of people talk about stupid stuff, but he's talking about philosophical things and trying to help Ian with his. Um, he both of them are have like are on the spectrum, and he kind of gives him some advice and things. Sometimes it's a little out there, but. He's just a great guy, and I wish he could stay. I don't. I. There, there's a problem though that I'll, I'll explain a little bit why he probably won't stay. Um, Keisha was the first one out. She's from season ten, also with Memphis, and she's had a you know, one of the most famous moments in the game was Keisha's birthday, but, and they mentioned it on this season, but she, the game's so much faster than it was when she used to play. And she didn't even know what was happening. Next thing you know, she's out. Ian won season 14. He was, he went up against the Dan that was Memphis's partner in 10. Dan came back for season 14 and Ian beat him in the final two. Um, just by giving a great speech. And he won out in competitions. Um, he's a super smart guy, but he d- does not. Uh, re- I think he's he's not doing much. He's just kind of paired up with Nicole, and he's going trying to make it halfway through the game and win, win out in competitions. And I think the competitions have changed too much for him to win out. They're very uh, – towards the end of the game, they get pretty athletic. Nicole – Anthony went out last week. She played BB 21 and it was too soon for her to come back. And she just, it, this game is tough on your brain and her brain broke this time. Uh, Janelle and Kaser tried to help her out and she turned on them because she thought they were using her and they weren't. And she's definitely regretting it now. Cause she's out of the house. Um, Cody, Was the Robin to Derek's Batman in season 16. Derek's one of the greatest players of the game. And Cody's really good. Very charismatic. Makes a lot of friends. He is in the best position in the house, I think. Um, He he just... Everybody likes Cody. Um, But they also know he's up there in the pecking order. So, you know, I don't know whether they'll get wise to him or not. Um, Nicole F1 season 18 she played 16 and 18 um she is a villain that won't admit it she winds her way and cries through everything and i think she's great at it but she's not willing to admit that she's a villain if she did she'd get a lot more love from fans um janelle is the queen of big brother and sadly she went last night just because every the main reason she went and the reason Caser is going to go probably this week if he doesn't win veto is because they're afraid of them coming back in the house and it's not going to happen because of COVID but they don't know that and so they think she went out if they leave Caser in and she comes back then they're both still in the house so they're gonna he's going to probably going to leave right behind her. And that's too bad, because I think I would like to him play without her. He never has. She always has made it further than him. Um, and then we have a casual fan, Julie Chen, who explain people, people leave the house, and she tries to tell them what's going on, and she has no idea what's going on because she barely watches, and it's, it's pretty sad. Um, so this, after yesterday's episode they had a head of household competition to see who would be up. And it was in the last final minutes of the show, the caser, they, they were doing a composite, the kind of competition I like where it is entirely fair. Anybody could win. That's all I ask. I, I, sometimes they lean too much towards the men. Um, something heavy or something like that. But this was just roll a ball up a ramp, roll three balls up a ramp. And there's three divots at the top and you got to get the balls to settle you know, you can only throw them so hard. They have to settle in those divots and then they, or they're going to roll down the other side and you run the other side and try to get them up to get all three balls in the top. Kaser did it like immediately within his first couple tries. And you can see it in the background. And he told Ian, which Ian respected, he said, I used math. He took all three balls and rolled them at once. So they only had so much room at the top something was gonna go into the divot and he just did it immediately. And then was like prowling around the backyard, waiting for everybody else to finish, to go into the next round. I mean, it just reminded me of Darth Maul after he killed Qui-Gon Jinn, just prowling back and forth, waiting to kill the next person. You know, it was great. It was great. I was so excited the show ended. I thought maybe Kacer's gonna win. He did not. Enzo ended up winning. Uh, I, he, don't I don't know whether he nominated these two, but I predict he nominates these two. He de- he doesn't. He need, wants to get rid of KSR. Everybody else wants to get rid of KSR. So I could see. I definitely think he'll nominate him, and he doesn't get along that well with Kevin. He, so I think those will be the nominees. And if one of them comes off, he'll probably try to backdoor Ian. Um. But one thing I was going to say, I don't like in that episode the other last night Danny and Enzo vote everybody else voted to evict Janelle Danny and Enzo voted did they did not know that each of them were going to do this but they each voted to evict uh the other person I can't I'm blanking on who oh Kaser they they voted to evict Kaser instead of Janelle to like throw hinky votes out there and you know just to blame it on somebody else and they're trying to blame Bay and Day um this is danny's idea they're each doing it separately though but danny tried to get cody to do it and everybody's gonna figure out she did this but she's trying to like it's not a good look for a woman to try to frame two women of color for doing something they didn't do it's a really bad look and i hope she gets caught on it and i also hope that the next few weeks aren't just people of color leaving bang 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 but Anyway, that's my update as of this moment. There, I one other thing I was to say that I do is there's a, because I watch the live feeds and everything and listen to po- other podcasts about it and stuff. But there's a, a reality stock watch at realitystockwatch.com that you can like bet on these players. It's to- it's not m- real money, but you get are given like two hundred dollars and you uh, buy stock in the players each week and like 5000 people are playing it right now. I'm in 600th place I think, but uh, I think the some uh top person has like $450 and I've got around 400, but it's so fun if you watch the show enough to be able to buy stock. I think the first week I split my money between Bay and Enzo cuz they were the least targeted and and then the next week I went all in on uh Christmas and this week I s- think i went all on who did i pick i'm looking here i think i went all on cody just try to pick the safest person that has them that'll make me the most money but it's fun realitystockwatch.com and you can just play it on your phone and do you have any questions
2: (laughs) i do actually i don't know if you can answer this or not it's more a a long-term question Okay. Oh, yeah? I was thinking about this and the idea of alliances. Yes. Like when did that start? Richard because Hatch. that's that's I'm guessing it was like was it the first season of Survivor? Yes. Because that's not a thing inherent in a game. No. The people playing the game had to invent it. But now it's become every reality show on ever made now has alliances and mm-hmm. the most important thing is forming alliances and changing alliances and tweaking alliances and it's like that had to have been invented on the, like the people who play on Survivor didn't plan out okay then they'll form alliances and do this So no
0: that definitely was not in the intention but it was figured out the first season of Survivor they created alliances just naturally happened
2: and it's only just evolved like I don't know that says something about human yeah, evolution and like the need to form bonds and like protect each other and and civilization I don't, I don't
0: know it's pretty neat they can't even like explain it on the show it's on, it's impossible to sh- explain all the alliances on there so they really focus on one or two things they've got this alliance with memphis that they're that julie focuses on but and when he gets sent out sometime soon they'll they'll act like On the show, like oh, we got they got rid of the king, but it's really not how it's happening. So you really just get bullet points on the show. They do get something to cross pretty good, Um, but the the whole thing with uh, there's so much such a web of alliances in here, and Tyler is just Tyler and Cody just are so good at it at having so many people. The problem is here's here's the major. There's a couple things. One, people walk around at the when they're on the block and think how many votes do I need? Okay. There's, uh, let's say there's 11 people voting. I need six votes to be able to stay. I need, you know, so they go around trying to get six votes. Well, you might as well forget it. That's not how it works. People are going to, most people are going to, the house is going to vote together. So you better convince your worst enemy. Otherwise you're not staying. And then the other thing is that people secretly have people like, Tyler is smart. He's got, he's got a secret alliance with Bay. He's got a secret alliance with Christmas. who is probably his biggest alliance. He's got a secret alliance with David. They he's got final twos with everybody. If they ever talk, he's screwed, but they just, they all, they all want to keep it a secret themselves. And so then he's also in the big Alliance. So when people set, when the, the fans always scream, why don't all the, the nerds or the, the underdogs get together. And try to overthrow. If they all got together, they'd have more votes and get rid of the things. Well, that's what Janelle tried to do. Janelle and Kaser tried to get all these people, Nicole Anthony and everybody. But the problem is, then you get somebody like Christmas in the room. She runs back and tells Tyler, and the plan ain't happening. Because that's why they have these satellite alliances.
2: Again, so it's society. The nerds are never going to win.
0: Nope. (laughs) You can try as you might,
2: but the jocks are going to take care of it. Yeah. yeah. Like is there a different way to play the game? It's like i said from from the first season of Survivor, everyone has played games the same way. Yeah. And it's like is this that is that the only way to
0: do it? Well there, is the are, only thing that works? There are some things that other shows do a bit um Honestly, the challenge on MTV is the one that comes up with some great ideas um and De- uh dave and bailey have both played on the challenge uh josh who won season um, 19 plays on the challenge uh casey who won uh tyler's season was his partner she plays on the challenge she'll play it again they uh so a lot of these big brother players go there but i there's a there's a th- something they did last season that i'd like to see them try in a season of big brother is that because each week the head of household puts two people on the block and then they you know one of them goes home the, in the challenge you had to touch the block if you didn't touch the block at a certain point of the game you were going to be out if you didn't so you have to i would like to see them say at some point you have to be get get nominated you know you can, there's a lot of strategy that can be involved with that you can try maybe you have your friend nominate you if you know you've got the votes to stay or, but they may use that time to get rid of you. It's just to be a different way, add some wrinkles to the game. There's different things they can do like that. My biggest thing is tr- this. I mean, it's it's not a fair game. Survivor's not a fair game. Most of these games are not fair. There's pre-game alliances and things like that, especially when you have an all-star game season like this and there's social media involved and people have played before. Danny and Janelle had an alliance, and Danny's the one that immediately was like, I got to get Janelle out. But uh, Janelle won season – well, she never won a season, but she, she was at the finale of season seven, the first All-Stars. She wore this one dress. Danny bought that dress and wore it to her finale the next season. She's a super fan of her, but she she wants to be the queen. And they did a good uh, segment on the show about that and show, showing her wanting to dethrone her. And I, I thought that was kind of neat. But it's just like it, – you there's a lot, it's never going to be fair, but I just want it to be as fair as it can be. And a lot of the competitions this year, I thought some of them haven't been, they had them holding a heavy ball and a paddle that you knew a guy was going to win, but most of them have been fair so far. So that's all I want. So I just think, you know, depending how things go, if my, if there's some changing up in the next couple of weeks, maybe the next time we record, I'll give another update.
2: I'm sure there are two to three people who are really <laughs> invested. That depends on whether Teasley is still listening. Yeah. We hope Jason, you're still out there uh, listening to KPP. If nothing else for the big brother information.
0: It's it kind of scary that I can remember who all was on every season. Did one.
1: I was wondering <laughs> I about that. I was like,
0: Do you have this written down? No, I do not have this written down. I know, I just know all this. I'm a super fan of this. This
2: square says casual fan. Your face should be,
3: (laughs) (laughs) and the other square says yes.
0: I am a super fan of Big Brother. I know all about it. Um, so and the freaking live feeds. Like, um, if you do, if you are a more than a casual fan or want to see more than what's on the show. It's CBS all access is five 99 a month. And honestly, the first month is really the best time to watch because there's the most people in the house, most things going on. You can just get on your phone and see what's happening. Let's do a conversation and see, Oh my gosh, I didn't see that on the show. There's just even just watching the adorable conversations between Janelle and case reminiscing or talking trash about somebody or just watching the other night, uh, in in real time they showed it on the show last night but when david almost blew up tyler's game he's that bad and um tyler having to fix it for you know everything go watching him work his magic is amazing you know so 599 is a great price for that that's all i got guys
2: all right good stuff plenty of tv to keep us interested Plenty of fun stuff always coming at you from KPP. We will be back soon with more. My name is Jordan Lowe.
1: Cliff Barnes.
0: I'm Seth. Bye forever.
1: Kapow! The Pop-Cultured Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of kpp.